Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today I have a very special guest on, it is one of my clients, Jana, and I'm excited to share this one just because Jana and I were just discussing this before the episode. Whenever you share episodes of other people recovering, it gives you hope and renewed belief. And she said that was something that was significant for her in her recovery was seeing my story and seeing how I recovered and thinking if you can do it. Maybe I can too. And that is probably the foundation of my podcast. Remember, if you guys haven't listened to it, the first episode I ever put out, I said, if this just helps one person, then it's done its job. And the reason that I put out the podcast originally, I had no idea any of this would happen, but I knew that I needed, when I was going through bulimia, I really wished I could have gone on the internet and heard someone speak about it the way I was speaking about it. I wish I could have heard someone I mean, y'all, Terry, um, talk about my story, basically. It's because it's early in the morning. I, I haven't regulated my emotions yet, but I wish I could have heard someone talk about the things that I have been struggling with. And that's why I do what I do, because I know that it helps and it helps people see that they're not alone and that they're not so weird, they're not so crazy, and that there is definitely hope. And if I could have gotten through it. They could too. And so full circle, Jana was so excited to do this. She's like, I'm going to share it on my socials too, which is a lot of clients, even if they'll do interviews, they're not necessarily keen to do that because it's a private issue. But Jana was like, I want to share because you never know who it's going to help. And hopefully my story can help others as well, the same way yours helped mine. So it's just so sweet. But anyway, um, yeah. So the podcast episode, the one caveat I will say, Jana's lovely. She's super frank. She had a lot of great wisdom and advice. We talk about um, grief, how she lost both her parents within a six month period, which led to her bulimia in her fifties. So, and we talk about how bulimia is not just a young person's thing, her black and white mindset and how that she had to really get past that. We talk about, um, her uh, relationship and how she's with someone who's actually very uh, a professional athlete and how that affected her bulimia and how she had to keep her head in her own lane. And then also tactics like eating enough and weight gain and her struggle with gastroparesis and feeling overly full and how she manages not purging from those feelings. So a lot of good things, but the caveat is, is that her, um, our internet connection was a little bit shaky. And so unfortunately she had, even though she's, she said I was wearing this cute, uh, leopard print dress. She had to keep her camera off so that the connection would be better. And the first half uh, half of the episode, you'll notice that the connection is a little bit bad, but I still think you can make out most of what she's saying. And it's a really quality episode, all the same, full of great advice. And the second half, it tends to pick up and get better. So just, I just want you guys to be aware. I felt like even though the internet connection was a little bit bad, it was definitely still worth putting up and could help people. So just, you know, have a little patience. Sometimes technology doesn't go the way you want it to go, but um, it, it was still worth putting up. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And of course, if you really find this episode helpful, 
Um, and you're like, you know what, this is the type of support that I need. In her journey, it sounds like something that could really benefit me. I do have one-to-one private coaching available right now. I don't always have availability. It depends on what clients I'm working with at the time and how many spaces I have open, but I do have that open right now. So if you would like to sign up for one-to-one private coaching and recover with me supporting you, and the program and the people in the program supporting you. It's a really wonderful thing. Um, all you have to do is go to bingebreakers.com and hit the private coaching button. There should be multiple on there and you can just apply for a consult and we will talk one-on-one about what is going on with you. What are you struggling with in particular? And um, what are potential solutions to that? And that if coaching, you feel like is a good fit for you and any questions you have. A lot of people say the consults, even if they, like some people decide not to work with me, which is totally valid. But they say the consults are so helpful because they get to finally talk about it and it gives them a lot of clarity on what's going on. So if you're interested in that, all you got to do, all you got to do is go to bingebreakers.com. All right. I'm going to let you guys get to the episode because I'm talking too much. Bye. So hi guys here. I'm, we're just hopping in real quick, but we're, I'm here with Jana, a former client of mine. Um, and we were just talking about how she's been doing since she worked with me in recovery and she was talking about her, what was it? Three biggest lessons in recovery. And I just said, wait, oh, let's, yeah. we, we need to record this. So people know. So please continue. Yeah. So I think that one of the top, um, you know, what we were talking about black and white mindset. And, you know, when I first um, came to, um, I had just such a black said about, you know, bad and good. And, um, I, I don't have that anymore. Is I, it's not just about bulimia. Uh, it's in my whole life now, mm. you know, so it, it's, it's, it, it kind of, you know, seeped out into my whole life is, is I no longer have a black and white mindset. Um, I don't have that shame anymore. I don't have that, um, food is good or bad. No food is not good or bad, or, you know, something that I've done is not good or bad. It, we'll just move on to, you know, lo- use it as a lesson. Let's, let's move along, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's really key. So many people, they get caught up in like, this is right or wrong. And of course, each thing has consequences. But when you're shaming yourself for those things, obsessing over the fact that you did it wrong, it really does impact your recovery. And like you said, it bleeds into other areas of your life. So I'm glad that that is something you've you've um, changed in your life. <laughs> My brain blanked on the words for it, but you've really taken a hold of. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that was that was for me. I think as you remember, you know, when I first came to you, I was, you know, in a pretty dark, um, you know, and I was, uh, I was pretty desperate. That's what we were talking about just before we hit. I was, I was begging for someone to like, you know, say, Hey, what's going on? You need help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just so grateful to finally like be in a situation, with somebody like you, um, that's been through it. Um, and, and, and that, and that's, they also is I think it's so important to seek help um, with somebody like you that's that's actually been through the journey mm-hmm. that was you know when I when I sought help um that's that's what I uh, I think that's how I stumbled upon you um somebody that's been through the journey and been you know gone through the fire and and, and come outside, um you mm-hmm. know and um and that's how I knew well if Jacqueline can uh, you know, then maybe I could do it. Yeah. Uh, I was just listening to a new audiobook. It's called like the eight keys of recovery. A client recommended it to me. And so I'm like, oh, I, sh- I should probably listen to it. Um, but they were just saying in their intro, how 
one of the bit, one of the most in- beneficial things about their treatment for people is that people know that they have also been through it and recovered. And of course, you can help people even if you haven't been through the exact situation. But I, I think it is what what you said. If you see someone who's been through it, not only do you know that they understand, they're maybe they're not going to judge you for what you're doing, and they get it. But also if you, they can do it, then maybe you can. It's like you borrow belief from the person that has already been through, through the journey. Exactly. Um, and that's a great time to, you know, bring up my story. Why I came to you. I had, um, just to tell my story a little bit and, and maybe some others can relate to it. You know, two, you know, couple, two things that I want to relate to people is, is bulimia, bulimia doesn't care. Uh, you know, um, I'm, you know, some people think, oh, it's a young disease. And that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. but I'm 54. Uh, so that's one thing to note. And then the other thing is it can also be triggered by some trauma. Um, mm-hmm. And I lost both my parents within a six month period um, and control my life and my grief. Um, and I didn't know what to do with it and feel my feelings. Thus enter bulimia. That's when mm-hmm. bulimia you know, came in and, you know, I, I really didn't know on what is happening to me. Like, what is going on? What am I doing? Scared. I I was pretty. That's a lot. Like when people first go into bulimia, especially if they're full grown adults, you know, and they're older, they think this is like, I shouldn't be doing this. This is something wrong with me. Cause I know that this is wrong. This isn't good, but you feel like you compelled to do it anyway. And that's the thing. It's like, I knew, you know, um, I didn't wait too long. I waited a couple months probably. And um, I, I knew there was something, a vacation actually, that I took with my husband. And we go to the same place every, after Christmas time. And it's a, all, you know, all you can eat buffet, you know, all ever. And I was, you know, eating, 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 binging. Um, and then I would go to, and you know, he was kind of like taking it lightly, but at the same time, he was like, what are you doing? Hmm. But, you know, so it was, it was actually honestly happened because, you know, him kind of calling me out on that. Hmm. This is of course, after what we talked about, you know, the Thanksgiving time, um, you know, debacle. And then I said, you know, that's it. I got to, I talked to my therapist about it, found you like within the week. Yeah, sometimes it's it's unfortunate because you don't want people to have to go through really hard times in order to change. But that usually what is the catalyst to most people changing is seeing really like a dark period in their life, having other people notice it and think, all right, this is happening. I need to do something about it. Um, and I, I can definitely relate to what you said about trauma and grief in particular. People don't, and and also think it's an older thing as well. It's not like you, I know you've had trouble with your weight and then um, different weight loss tactics for a long time, but the bulimia really didn't start till you were older and people don't think that, but when you lose someone, you experience grief, it can really be a coping tactic to deal with that. And just feeling like this is the one thing you can control. This is how you can numb out the pain. A hundred percent, which is what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wasn't even thinking you and I had numerous conversations and calls um, about the binging um, and about, you know, what, what that and that's exactly what it was. It was like there was no involved. It there really wasn't. It was um it was just my 
coping mechanism for uh, dealing with the with the fact that I didn't want to think about or my feelings um, about my parents passing away. Binging and purging was like for some. I mean, of course, when I look back, ridiculous reason that was you know my um, my way of dealing with that. Anyways, you know, I've read so many great quotes uh, since then, and of course, I can't remember any of them, but. <laughs> you know, a lot of them, it's true. It's true. But, but mm-hmm. a lot of them, you know, point to for your coping mechanisms because they served you um, at a point in time, you did them, but mm-hmm. they no longer served you now. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's when you can look at it like that too. That's why I talk about coping mechanisms and understanding why your bulimia is there. Um, isn't necessarily because I think it will solve it, but it'll at least allow you to have more compassion for yourself and understanding and then understand how to how to eventually get to that place of solving it. But tell me, so I was thinking before our interview about the top things that helped you with recovery. One was processing grief, you know, figuring out different ways to handle those emotions. And then two, just the pause method and awareness around binging and three, eating enough. I remember when, cause you were, we were working together and I think a month or so you were still struggling with the binging, but finally, you know, we had a conversation about the fact that you weren't, you were like barely eating all day. And that really significantly changed your binging behavior. Do you feel like that's an accurate description or no? 100%, 100%. So I switched that up. I still eat a pretty kind of like the same kind of thing every day, mm-hmm. um, but things, always things that I love. I don't ever, you know, I definitely follow eating ideas and, and tenets, you know, where you, you know, eat when you're hungry, you love, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge lover of fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have pineapples and my melons and things. Um, I always start my day with oatmeal. I love it. I reintroduced, um, and, and when I say salad, I don't want anybody to deal like, oh, she's just eating salad, you know, like that's, <laughs> that's another restrictive thing. Me, um, just as a side note for people. Um, yeah, I was going to say it, but you go yeah, ahead. <laughs> didn't eat salads and vegetables for almost seven years. And that I realized through healing and recovery through bulimia is that, um, the part of my um, disease of gastroparesis was probably also in um, an eating disorder. Um, mm-hmm. Because when I reintroduced salads, it was, I know the date because it, um, it was my anniversary with my husband mm-hmm. on June and added a salad. I will tell you, Jacqueline, I have had a salad every single day, second. And it's like, awesome. I, I do a huge salad with per and cheese and like homemade dressing, you know, every day. Um, so I, um, yeah, much more than I did before, um, you know, grilling my own chicken, um, or, you know, my own protein or whatever. And yeah, there's a lot of changes and, and a lot, I know sometimes people don't want to talk about that, but when you eat more and you stop binging and purging, mm-hmm. um, I did gain weight. Um, and at first, as you know, I did struggle with that. Um, and it's still a process. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you have to, it, again, that, that goes back to the black and white thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, you can't, um, your body, I have to think every day about what my body can do for me. I'm taking a dance class now, which I would never have done before. 
Congratulations. Um, I know we were talking about that right before yes. you ended coaching. So I wasn't sure if yes. that had happened, but awesome. Yes. And um, on Mondays, um, I dread going still because it's only like the fourth time, the fourth mm. week. But once I get there, I'm so grateful that my body is able to stretch and move and at least attempt <laughs> to, mm-hmm. you know, a jazz dance. Um, so you have to be grateful for the body that you have and the body that you're in at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to love your body every day. That's not what it's about. Yeah. Well, with when it comes to body acceptance, because we had many a converse and it's funny, you're bringing up everything I wanted to ask you about. So it's good. Yeah. But um, I wanted to ask you about the weight gain because that was such a big process in your recovery because you did start gaining weight. It was obviously very upsetting for you, but you dealt it with was. it. And so you're saying like, it wasn't about trying to love your body every single day or pretend like everything was fine, but it was almost about dealing with the fact that today you don't feel so good in your body, but you have reasons for doing this anyway. Exactly. And you helped me with that because, um, I, I remember I used to say to you, I would get out of the shower and we have, you know, the mirror is like all along the whole wall there when you get out. And, you know, at first I would get out and I would be like, Oh my God, this is awful. This is terrible. But again, that's black and white. Right. So instead now it's like, I, it's not, black or white it's not oh this is awful this is terrible it's like that is my body Hmm. that 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 is what what it is um and it does many things uh for me um you know this summer uh, as you know when i went to paris Mm -hmm. um my body helped me walk sometimes six seven miles a day Mm -hmm. um which was just an unbelievable feat for me because um as you know your listeners don't know but i'm i'm not um I'm not very physically fit. So that was a huge thing mm-hmm. for me. So, uh, you know, to be able to do things like that. Um, and then the other really freeing thing, I think, um, when you do gain weight is to, um, what are you going to do? Are you going to like, try to like be uncomfortable and try to like fit into all the clothes that you, when you open up your box that you put away from last spring or summer or whatever, and try to like wear all the things that you had. <laughs> it's not, po- it's not possible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I remember uh, when you went and bought a bunch of new clothes and that process you went through of just buying things that fit. Um, yeah. and I've done it again this fall and mm-hmm. it's, um, it, you know, it's, you can look at it two ways. You can look at it and say, oh, this sucks. This is awful. Or you can say, hey, this is a great opportunity. I'm going to buy things that make me look cute or look great. Like I know I had to turn my camera off because my connection was bad, but I have an adorable, what is it? Leopard dress on today because I'm going to, from H&M, I'm going to the theater, like I said, with my daughter tonight. Hmm. Um, And I figured I might as well just put it on now because um, I had to look nice for you too. And um, (laughs) and it's like, it's an opportunity. But I also think something you did a really good job of is understanding, okay, this isn't like not pretending that it wasn't happening. 
right? I don't think right. that does anyone any good of like pretending like, right. oh, I'm totally cool with this. This this is fine. I'm not upset at all. Like you, we talked a lot about why you were upset and it's yes. totally valid, but then understanding, okay, but there are things that are still going well for me. Also understanding why it was worth it. You were gaining a lot much more freedom, more presence. You're feeling better, even if the weight wasn't what you were hoping for. And then also, like you're saying, there are opportunities in it. You love shopping. You like to buy yourself new clothes. I, yeah. everyone, I mean, most people, I like doing that, even though I shouldn't right. do it as often, but it's, it's nice. And you get to, and also something cool about that Paris thing. I think when I mean, you said you're as physically fit, it's just that you maybe don't exercise as much as what you would like. And yeah. something cool about that trip is it showed you how much your body actually does for you. And now right. you're doing the dance classes too. I'm sure that gives you a whole new appreciation for your body too. And maybe you can focus on other things just then it's outward appearance. It really helps you be a lot more of accepting when it goes to changes, when it isn't exactly what you wanted it to be. Yeah. And you know what it shows you? And this is the black and white thinking again, life isn't always what you um, expected it to be. Right. Yep. Um, at, at all. Um, you can wake up every day and say, this is, this is how my day is going to go. This is what it's going to be, but it's not always, even every day isn't uh, the way that we expect it. I think the clothing thing and the gaining weight thing, it's, it's a byproduct, but like my question to, um, to people that want to recover is, do you want to recover or do you want to stay where you are? Mm -hmm. And, you know, really the question for me, when that started happening is, well, the overwhelming answer is I want to recover. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's taking over your life. You weren't very happy and you didn't know necessarily how to deal with everything. So it helped you a lot. And I feel like even though you had issues with it, the weight gain was worth it to you long-term. Right. Be right. Because the headspace that, that the food and takes up, I still think about food. I'm a foodie. You know what I mean? You mm -hmm. and I talked about that, you yeah. know, I'm a foodie. So, and, and I'm a baker. So we're coming up upon baking season um so i think about food like you know i'm going out to dinner tonight um i as you know like i used to you know obsess about the menus before i, I went out to eat i don't do that anymore as you know you and i work through that mm -hmm. um but you know I'm, I'm obviously looking forward to going out to eat so i still think about things like that i feel like in a healthy way you know it's like i look forward to going out to dinner with my kids tonight and mm -hmm. um we're going to a great restaurant a great seafood restaurant i'm from new england so um you know that's a good thing um so things like that but, but gone are the days of literally spending hours sometimes like i if i were going out to dinner with my kids a year ago i would spend hours yeah. online looking at menus in in the area that we live and and finding a menu that was just so delicious and choosing what I would want to eat. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, people live their life that way, but it's like, do you want to waste so much time? No. Yeah. Also New yeah, England I, food. I love seafood. So <laughs> I'm jealous. You enjoy that. Right. Right. Yeah. No, this restaurant's fabulous. So it'll be, it'll be a good time, but, but yeah, I didn't, um, haven't even uh, clicked onto their, um, I clicked onto the website to make a reservation, but I never even looked at the menu. I was, you know, and I didn't want to. And as Badass. you know, also, I think another really cool thing for people, and I know it's debatable, even in my own household, it's debatable, um, but stop getting on that scale. Mm -hmm. I stopped getting on that scale in March and uh, I never looked back. I'm also pretty ballsy when I go to the doctor. Um, they ask me to get on the scale. And I say, no, <laughs> um, 
Yeah. And it, they kind of look at me and go, okay, but a number does not define who you are. Mm-hmm. A number on the scale. Yeah. Well, I'm sure also when you say that to the doctor, they kind of are taken aback, but they're not, they can't force you to get on the scale. That's the funny thing is like, they can do so many things, but no one's going to arrest you, wrestle you down and force you to be on that scale. They're just going to move on. And it's, we've discovered a lot for you. Not paying attention to that number is very helpful. And that, that kind of reminds me, um, you don't mind me sharing, but you know, your, your partner, he's um, very physically active, um, does a lot of, uh, cardio and yeah. that was a little bit hard for you can you tell me and and people listening how you navigated through that yeah and i still navigate through that because actually um since you and i spoke i think that since um since we spoke he had placed in national so he's um he's one of the best overall riders in the entire country and then we went to worlds um since you and i stopped our coaching. Um, so he placed even on a, on a world national level. He's a world-class cyclist. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, and he cycles twice a day. So he's, um, he's incredibly physically fit for a 55 year old man. He's, he's just amazing. And I'm very proud of him. So, so that's the positive. I think what's hard for me is I am not um, a world-class cyclist um, Mm -hmm. or a world-class anything. So sometimes it's difficult for me, I think, because we have different eating habits. We have different, obviously different physical fitness levels I, I think it's still a difficult thing to navigate for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, and, and again, it's not black and white. It's not bad. It's just something that we definitely navigate together. But um, I think a good thing to do um, when you're in that, if, if, if others are in that situation is I travel with him. Like, so we went, I went to LA two weeks ago, three weeks ago um, to watch him compete. Um, which was amazing. And I've been with him a couple of times this summer to different races. So I think supporting them that way takes away that, that feeling of inferiority, maybe. I don't know if that's the right word, but. Well, no, I can, but like my, my boyfriend, he's not a world-class athlete, but he is very physically fit. The things that he does, he's very, very good at. And I had also similar feelings of being, being inferior. But when you just are happy for them and you celebrate them without comparing yourself to them, it right. just frees you so much. And then right. also something we worked on together, and I think you're probably still doing, is trying to keep your actions and what you do, the rules for you different for them than for them. Basically, even though he's doing these things and it works great for him, just understand it doesn't work for you. And you're keeping right. your, your eyes in your own lane, basically. Right. And that's such a great, I love that line. I've always loved that line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause I, I, I use that in all the areas of my life is like keeping your, your lane clean, just doing your own thing. But because a lot of the things that he does, I used to do as well. When I stopped, it was like a break from, from the camaraderie almost, you know what I mean? From the, mm-hmm. from the team, you know, a break from the team. Um, so, um, yeah, I think at the beginning, you know, it was, that was the difficult thing, um, for him to understand is, you know, why, you know, why I was changing, um, you know, maybe like my habits, but, I just knew, you know, from, from you and I and the things we were working on that it was just non-negotiable for me to recover and, and the things we talked about, um, and what I needed. I just knew what I needed to do. I just knew. Yeah. 
And he's been really supportive, I think, based on what we've talked about um, and letting you do your own thing, even if it was challenging for him. So that's awesome. Oh, yeah, the, for sure. For sure. The other thing, thank you for sharing that, because that is something a lot of people struggle with that I didn't even anticipate talking about today, but it's really important. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is fullness, because, you know, with, with the gastroparesis, you yeah. um, struggle with maybe more intense feelings of fullness and the urge to purge than others. And we were just talking um, about how Jana, she struggled with one lap since working together where she was just so overly full and that pushed her over the edge. But, you know, you handled that with flying colors, but how, what was, what were key things that helped you with dealing with that feeling? Yeah, that's a great question because the, the thing that you've got to do is you've got to feel and sit with the fullness. Mm. So even just an example from the other night, first of all, I drink a lot of water. Um, I drink a lot of iced tea, water, whatever. Um, so that combined with, um, with any eating and not, and I don't binge at all anymore, but you know, any eating at all. So let's say you eat a meal and, and I don't drink with my meals because it, it that would just, I mean, I would instantly be sick. Um, but let's say I'm just so full, just from a regular meal. Mm -hmm. Now, in the past, a year ago, I would, I would then purge. But now what I do is I, I go, oh, I kind of, I'm kind of full right now. And I, I just go sit down. I just go chill, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I sit with the fullness and I sit someplace where I'm comfortable or, you know, especially in the summertime, maybe you sit outside, mm -hmm. you know, you know, right now, maybe I'll just kind of scroll on my phone or do something. Maybe, maybe it sounds lazy to some people, but, um, you know, for me, that's, that works. Um, and I, I sit with the fullness and I honestly talk about conscious. It's like, I consciously know I am full. This is what it feels like right now. It feels full. I don't like the way it feels right now, but guess what? It's going to go away. And then what's amazing is you forget that you're full or it kind of goes away. And then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, maybe an hour later, you're like, oh, I'm totally fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember the first time you did that and you, you, you knew obviously logically that it would go down, but you were like, I feel like this is never going to go away. And then when you actually sit with the feeling, like you're saying, it does go away eventually. And I love what you're saying about just setting a nice environment for you. Just like watching you going outside, having something that's distracting, but pleasant scrolling, scrolling your phone. Sometimes when I don't feel good, I don't, I don't think I've ever said this before, but sometimes putting a pillow against your stomach is kind of helpful. It gives you, and it just gives your stomach a little extra support while it's going through what it's going through, but doing things that can help comfort you during that time. And then lo and behold, once you get a little distracted, it does go away eventually. So yeah, thank you for describing that. Yeah, because I think that um, I wasn't doing very well at that um, mm -hmm. ever. I, um, you know, and again, I think it's also triggered by the amount of, um, liquid that I drink. Um, but you know, I, um, it's just funny. It just makes me laugh now because I just never imagined that I could sit with the feeling and it would go away. And it just sounds of course hysterical that, you know, I would, that that feeling would of course go away, but, mm -hmm. um, I want to encourage, I want to encourage people that, you know, you can sit with that feeling and it will go away. It's, it's science. Like you said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Well, I guess you've covered a lot of great topics and I appreciate it. And your honesty and everything has been really helpful too. And I, one thing I've guys listening, I think I've always liked about Jana. She just says it like, like it is and very blunt and I love it. Um, if you're a world-class anything, it'd just be a world-class, like honest person. Um, <laughs> but I always like to ask people, especially from your perspective, since you've gone through the journey recently and you still, I like that even though we were just discussing this before the call, even though you've made so much progress, when you still have little struggles here and there, you're able to deal with them with flying colors. So for people listening who are in the journey, they are struggling with Lima right now, what is one piece of advice you'd give to them? One piece of advice that I would give to people that are in the journey right now is it is so worth it. Like, don't give up. I know, I know that's trite because Jacqueline always says that at the end of her emails, don't give up. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's so true. Like, even when you want to, even when you're just, I know some of you have been struggling for years and I didn't struggle that long. So maybe it's hard for you to hear it from me. Mm -hmm. But a year ago, I was so desperate, so desperate. And I am not that way anymore. I, the best thing I ever did was seek help and not ever give up. I went through shit that, that I did not want to go through. It was really hard. Sometimes I was mad at Jacqueline. Sometimes I didn't want to do what she told me to do, but I, but I, uh, but I did it. And, you know, I, um, I'm so glad that I came out the other side. I really am. I, um, you know, and like I told Jacqueline, I still want to be friends with her. So I hope she'll still be friends with me. Um. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) We've caught up several times, like briefly. What were you mad at me about? I didn't know that. That's funny. I'm being funny. Um, okay. Like, you know what? Right. Like, I think one time I had to like eat a brownie and oh. you know, you take, you take one bite of the brownie and then you put the brownie down, you write it. You know what I mean? And I was like, I don't want to do this. You know what I mean? Like silly little things that you think are silly at the time, but man, they are the best exercises to get you to where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, well, yeah. And I want to thank you for going through it and having that sometimes resistance and anger and still pursuing it you really worked hard and it was it wasn't an easy journey for you it never is for anyone I'm not trying to say no. that like your journey was so unique but it, everyone they have to fight and you showed that so clearly so thank you for trusting me to go through the process and for sharing this all here I mean I don't I know people listening really appreciate it so thank you yeah well thank you for everything I mean honestly I don't like I said I just um I don't know how I found you it was luck it really was pure luck, but, um, I really, um, and so grateful for, um, for our relationship and for everything that, that you did, you've done for mm-hmm. me. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, actually there's one other thing I want to say. You said you didn't struggle for that long. Maybe you did not struggle for that long with bulimia, but I think you do disservice to yourself. You had so many things going on with your weight and your eating, that were oh, yeah, maybe not yeah. a qualifying eating disorder, but it sure. was happening for a long time. So it was, that's yeah. true. That's people true. listening. Yeah. Like, don't, don't be like, Oh, well she only had it for a year or so. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean to misrepresent definitely disordered eating like my whole life. And, and even with talking with my kids, I, um, huge guilt about that. Like, you know, bringing them up like that, you know, with the disordered eating and, you know, things like that. It's, you know, 
Do heal yourself before before you bring your kids up that way if you can. <laughs> yeah, your two your kids yeah. turn out well though, all things yeah. considered. They're so good kids. Yeah, you're they're clearly good mom. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't think you're purposely trying to misrepresent. I just know people can get in their heads like, oh well, she, if she only went through it for that long, then therefore it's not going to work for me, and that's just not, not right. true. Um, no, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll end the podcast here. We'll still. S- don't just leave i'll just stop the recording but everyone who's listening thank you so much for um listening to this interview basically and i hope you guys took the advice to heart um all right bye everyone